pale horse. The man who sat on him was dead. And hell followed with him. You're killing me, man. Welcome to Declarations of War. This is Eve's longest-running podcast, episode 271. I am your host, Noir CEO, Alexiev Kord, joined by my faithful co-host, Noir FC, Levitain. G'day, g'day, g'day. Former Noir director and CEO of Collusion, Zero Cool. Hello, hello. This is Declarations of War, where we discuss Eve PvP and politics with a mercenary perspective. And we had a very important poll for our audience to choose their boy stable. We had the Turner boys and the Thera boys. You can only have one boy stable, gentlemen. And the audience has spoken. With 59% of the vote, Turner boys win out. I'm frankly a little surprised. I thought there was love for Thera out there, but apparently Turner is the better system and the better community. Well, there are more of them, right? The Thera ones than the, than the sorry, the Turner ones. There's more of the Turner ones than the Thera ones. So, you know, per, per pilot, you know, maybe Thera had more votes. You mean Turner had more votes. Well, what I mean is that given that there's less Thera boys, that, you know, the, the votes right. they had maybe should be weighed more heavily. Oh, I see. Well, there's also, you know, Thera alumni. We were Thera boys at one point. They just didn't turn out. Maybe don't remember it as fondly as you might think. I remember getting a bit grumpy with the Thera boys last year because I was out with Eve University and we took a break in Thera and we went to undock from the station we were in and they (laughs) camped in the undock, which felt a little bit mean at the time and and we did try to negotiate a release but we were denied um apparently they had a very important thing to do and they were keeping other people in in the station intentionally um it was then i learned that you can deploy bubbles from a dicta outside of thera stations which i previously had read somewhere that you couldn't well that if you did the dicta would get shot apparently that's not true i don't know if it was a false memory or you know was true once or somebody thought it was funny to add it to a wiki somewhere but no you can you can definitely camp a thera station um whether you should or not i don't know but when i did um point this out to the the thera boys in question and um you know how how you know it wasn't very um in line with the the pvp ethic right to camp each other inside the thera station they did agree with me and they said it was a terrible thing to do but proceeded to camp the station so uh Anyway, we had a good laugh about it later because I was with some of them in, in tournament practice. Um, and they haven't done it since, so I'm pleased. I, mean, I hope that that intervention, you know, was, was enough. And since then, they've helped me kill some dreads in, in, uh, FC, uh, in um, NPC space in, uh, in Null. So I've been pleased with that too. That worked out. I have to ask, was, was, the, was it like voting in person in Thera? Because there could still be people at this very moment still warping across Thera who haven't made it to the polling booth. <laughs> Your vote had to be postmarked by a certain date. <laughs> Maybe they went to cast the vote, but it turned out that the wormhole had closed. Mm. They could only vote from K-Space, so that was the mm. problem. 
I love Thera. I haven't tried Turner personally. I, I definitely see the appeal. I feel like if Turner wasn't already populated by huge alliances like Deepwater Hooligans and such, it might make more sense for a small group like ours to be there. But Thera still has that small group charm where, aside from being bubbled in stations, <laughs> as you are apparently, it, it really didn't happen that often while we were there. You You could really pretty much... Go about your business. There were camps occasionally, but nothing extended or, or too overwhelming. Never felt like you were held back from doing whatever it is that you wanted to do while you were in Thera. Just there wasn't a lot to do outside of leave Thera to go somewhere else. Yeah, I think now and again you see a group or two camping the closest Jita connection tends to be random people camping that as far as I can tell. I've never seen like a regular group there. And I've personally found that my movements around Thera have been pretty much unimpeded in the long time that I've used it. So it was just that one exception, which uh, I can forgive. Well, I'll tell you where there will be no forgiveness. The Galenti Garista fight that we've just had. The Galenti Militia has made history in EVE by being the first militia to successfully stop, defeat, and destroy a pirate insurgency. This is the new faction warfare mechanic that has been added in the Havoc expansion. The uh, pirates get a FOB, a forward operating base. It's effectively a ungunned citadel. And they can dock there, tether there, change ships, etc. And it acts as kind of the epicenter of the insurgency. To make it vulnerable to attack, you have to get Suppression 5 in at least 7 systems. Which is really effing hard. And it had not been done until... The pirate insurgency centered around the system of Uleta, which is conveniently about four or five jumps from the primary staging of the Galenti militia. We talked about in the previous episodes that the Galenti had um, consolidated their lines, pulled back from the entire part of the northern end of their war zone, and centered around the system of Hadeles. That's where all the major alliances were basing now. And there's some fighting elsewhere, but for the most part, all the heavy hitters were in Hade, and the pirate spawn just happened to be at a very convenient place, and I don't know how the decision was made exactly, how the sausage got grinded, but everyone kind of organically came to the same conclusion. We should be the ones to kill this thing. And it was off to the races from there. A relentless Galenti effort to suppress systems. Largely quite successful. Uh, we managed to get all fives earlier this week. I'm not sure the exact date, but the fob was hit approximately Thursday, which gave us a timer for Saturday. And it was quite the fight. Just to start, it was reinforced on the Friday afternoon, and it has a 24-hour timer. So we... Pardon me. Um, I was on when we hit, we got Intaki to Suppression 5, which was the seventh system. Then we all kind of raced over. I had to go AFK at that point while they reinforced it. There's quite a few interesting skirmishes building up to it. I won't go into all of them because as it was faction warfare, so there were fights happening in all multiple time zones. But 
You saw Garista militia come in with some nano fighting. You saw uh, traditional Kaldari militia come in to try to fight the Glinty. Uh, there was some pirate action with Band Apart. There was a pretty dynamic fight, but the Plex farming effort that was put in was fairly relentless from Glinty militia, who is, while one of the smallest militias, one of the most tightly organized, particularly in the top-end alliances of Sedition Network and a few other smaller groups. Fleets are generally of a higher quality of ship, higher quality of FC, more tightly knit pilots than you would expect from your average faction warfare groups, uh, particularly individual faction warfare pilots, certainly. So there was a pretty organized resistance to any effort to kick us out of plexes. We did lose some of them. There were some systems that had a bit of a, uh, what do they call it? A corruption edge. But at the end of the day, the Galenti stood strong and we got quite the fight for the actual fob. There was a sub discussion that there wouldn't be a fight. And then it turned to actually there would be a fight and snuff were going to drop caps on it. And then it was back to there wouldn't be a fight. No one was quite sure what was going to happen. But how could you not be pleased with the end result? Uh, shout out to the Garista's Militia, Black Rabbit, Sons of Bane, Negative Feedback in particular. Those are the three major groups. All of the, I mean, but this battle report has quite a few groups in here. I'm not going to read everybody's name out. But there was a core fleet of Guardians and Zealots that these guys put out there. And they fought valiantly. They did lose. It was three Bill killed-ish to about 16 Bill killed on their end. The Zealots got absolutely smoked, including a couple Zarms, which are extremely expensive. But they fought really well, and they engaged basically two to one. So major credit to them. Showed absolutely no fear. Didn't want to be the first pirate militia to have this loss on their record. And the core fleet of Sedition, Frog Pond, of Essence, Eden Dominion Coalition, and the network for the Glenty side. Threw down well. Uh, Eden Dominion wasn't actually with the main group. They brought a separate fleet of Omen navies, but they did pretty well for themselves, from what I can tell. And yeah, it was it was a pretty pretty fun fight. It was uh, Cyclone Fleet issues versus Zealots. Unfortunately for the Zealots, even with the assault damage controls, uh, I think some of them may have died without actually activating them because it didn't seem like they tanked. I think it's also worth just as a as a shout out to Letter to a band apart. The Letter is their main stage, so for one of the most active kind of small to mid sized pirate groups, having a fob spawn in your system was pretty much a turkey shoot for them. Yeah, they've been having a good time. We sort of work together with them. Band apart is often going toe to toe with Galenti militia, so it was a difficult time getting actual coordination around not shooting each other. Eventually, we sort of got on the same page, but Bandapart essentially sat out this fight. They were warping around a couple small ships, tackle frigates and tackle cruisers, but a very small number of them, not to much effect. But they were a big part of the buildup, I would say. If, if we had not kind of had a gentleman's agreement not to throw everything we had at each other, I think taking the fob to vulnerable would have taken a little more time. 
Yeah, they were very active in Aletta. Um, they didn't really extend too many systems out, you know, in opposite directions. And I think that for the most part, Gurmil, the rap, the bunnies, if you will, were a little bit shocked at just how much more resistance they had. In previous times, they have had an insurgency center, usually on a deep back line, usually the Galdari, since they own about three quarters of the war zone, and they wouldn't get much in the way of resistance. But this time, it was a coordinated effort everywhere. And there was no shortage of, of sites to go through. As far as I can tell, it was quite a lucrative in terms of you no know, loyalty points for the Gal Mill side. It's just a pity that the, the loyalty points for Garistus are worth so much more than ours at this point in time. Well, there was a the previous, not the previous side, but the one before that had spawned in Galenti Militia space quite close to Villarreal, which was Sedition's previous staging. But instead of go for it, set it with Druid Hadley's. I think the difference between those two scenarios is Sedition was already facing a push from Kaldari militia at the time. And this felt like, uh, well, you know, we're going to get a bunch of systems frontline. There's going to be all this pirate activity. We can't do both at the same time. This time around, the momentum was swinging the other way with Galenti pushing Kaldari back. So it was quite easy to say, all right, we'll take a breath, stop doing that and put all of our attention onto this fob and absolutely crush it. And unlike normal faction warfare, all of the uh, Garistas, the uncertainty sites, are advanced in nature, which opens up pirate and T2 options. So it's quite nice to be able to fly those options more readily. Oh yeah, I got a lot of work out of my Jaguar this time around. It's good to take that thing out and dust it off. <laughs> so it's worth just bearing in mind that Min Mill are hot on the heels of Gal Mill. The Angel Cartel forward operating base in Bosbiger has also now been reinforced and will come out on the 5th. That's tomorrow at the time of the recording of this at around 5.30 in the morning eve time. So I would expect if Min Mill put their cards together, we should hopefully see a second fob going down. But as always, Galente did it first, boys. Galente did it first. First and best. <laughs> well, speaking of coming in first... We have the results of the Black Mark Awards. This is our annual awards show sort of voting. Um, we've been doing it for a couple of years now. They're always interesting, always quite tight, usually, and just a great way to get the declarations of war community involved in honoring the outstanding people that have come on this show or otherwise in the EVE community. And we have the results this year. Happy to say we've had one of the highest vote participation years so far. Not the highest, but it was quite good. But this year we had four best guests. Da -da 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 -da. The Oz. A frankly overwhelming amount of support. Congratulations to the Oz winning best guest of the year. And how could you argue with that? It was a tremendous episode, and he himself is a tremendous podcast host in his own right. Very happy to have him as a guest and very great to see him so well represented here in the Best Guest Award. I want to shout out to Yin Tan, who is our other nomination for Best Guest. It's rare that we only have two nominations for this category. So to see both of them on here and to see Oz perform as well as he has, quite feathers in their cap this year. The Oz has been around various things, right? Since, um, well, before and after the CSM. What one of them was the XL World Championships finals in Vegas. I, I'm mm -hmm. not familiar with the 
na- uh, the I imagine annual Microsoft Excel World Championship program, taking Eve to uh, to that venue. Excellent stuff. I think the overall quality as well of the Oz's productions. You know his show that he does on the weekends. You look at the amount of effort that goes into that stuff, right? Consistently applying that. It's excellent to see such high quality stuff. I think if, if you were going to sort of, somebody was new to Eve and, and they said, um, oh, I want to learn more about the markets. You have no hesitation in pointing them towards what is, you know, extremely complex stuff, very difficult and, and you know, granular and hard to imagine and, and apply. But he does a, a great job of of balancing that complexity with straightforward approach and style of explaining you know, does his sort of um, roundup summaries really well as well. So you've got all of this long form content around the markets and the, in the depth and in the detail around investments and stuff. But then at the same time, you've got these little snapshots of, okay, here are the main points, here are the highlights. And I think overall it's all presented so professionally and so, uh, so well that it's no surprise that even if you're not into markets in EVE, people like the Oz. Yeah, he's not the only player to have done it, and I wouldn't even say he's the only player to have done it with a high production value, but I think he's the best to have done it with a live component than that he streams a lot of his market shows, which adds a whole other layer of community participation. And I do think, as far as I'm aware, he's the only one that's done it in a way that has parlayed itself into other content like his Oz tank show, which is a great watch. If anyone hasn't checked it out, search on Google for the Oz tank. Um, he's just such a great blend of the financial side with the community and fun side. It's not a straight market report, which other players have done and have done extremely well with this it's kind of a bit of a blend there. And now with the CSM component added into it, it just adds a lot more to the kind of content that he can do and sort of his uh, legend within the community, so to speak. So quite happy to have Oz win best guest for 2023. Congratulations, mate. Lave, who do we have for FC of the year? Dum, dum, dum. The FC of the year for the Black Marks 2023, 24, who knows, is Clarity Z, I believe, from Collusion. Definitely 23. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, congratulations, Clarities. Another blowout. So, like, Clarity is somebody, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen the vote in, right? But. You say overwhelming. I mean, who else do we have in that category, right? Some very well-known people. Dark Shines and Young Puke were the competition. Clarity's got almost 80% of the vote here. That's quite astonishing, isn't it? It just goes yeah. to show how much of an impact. I mean, Clarity does fleets mainly with new players. So you know, teach him. it's not just about for Clarity. It's not just about running the fleet and doing the PB, PvP thing, right? It's the, the, the in-depth teaching of the piloting of the ships, how to FC if you want to know that stuff as well, how to PvP, just everything in, in one thing and doing it regularly, doing it almost daily sometimes, again and again and again. And, you know, if you're a new FC, uh, if you're sorry, if you're an FC who, who deals with new players, you get asked the same questions over and over again, right? You get the same. And, and to be able to deliver the answers in a patient and, you know, straightforward way, while still maintaining the drive and, and the 
passion for doing the, the fleet fighting as well. It's, uh, I think that's why people appreciate it so much. Well, he's doing something right. And I, I have to assume that that vote pile has come from, in no small part, either EVE University or Veterans of EVE University. I mean, there was one mention of it in EVE University's Discord, I believe, in one of the bigger channels. And that was about it. It wasn't as if there was a, a campaign from EVE University to get their FC up there. Uh, it was mentioned once briefly, a link was provided, and that was it. Um, which is the, the, you know, EVE Uni does understate it very well. Okay. So yeah, it, this yeah. is not like an issue. It's just that um, that's how they do things. They just they try to be very. Oh, objective is the best way of putting it. Eve University tries not to get involved in anything, <laughs> anything outside of, of Eve University. So, yeah, there was no big campaign or anything. I think this is just because a lot of people have um, contact with Eve University, Clarity and, and things like that. It's just, just, just the way it is. That just happens to be the case. Well, we've got FC of the year. What about Doctrine of the year? So the winner of Doctrine of the Year, and I mean, what, remind me, Alec, what, what were we, uh, what, what was competing? Because I do remember, I, I, there was one or two I don't, though. Well, this one's kind of on me. We had a lot of nominations for this category winner. I should have split it up because there's two very distinct ways to run this ship. Uh, but it was Tornadoes, Ex-Grenavy Issues, and Kiting Battleships. So... The kiting battleships thing, I can lay a bit of, uh, you know, information on, but, and uh, the exact navies. And I think, you know, for me, it was probably going to be one of the two, right? So the winner of this year's uh, Doctrine of the Year was the Executor Navy issue. Now, it was featured heavily in the Alliance tournament. Galente ships were point reduced, I believe, and that's why, in part, it was so popular. But the other reason it's so popular is because it is rather powerful um bonuses that mean excellent uh, ability to project damage a large amount of damage or you know just brawling with exec navies is also incredibly well it's just crazy right i mean you can get incredible numbers with the blasters as well so equally viable in rail format or blaster format so with your rails, you have your mid-range projection and damage application. Uh, you can, you know, go the lower end of the mid-range or the higher end of the mid-range. They do reach out quite far. They do suffer a little bit with lock range, but, you know, you can mitigate that with some fitting or some info links. And most of the things you're shooting are going to be within 50 kilometers anyway. I mean, the exact Navy cost, it doesn't cost a huge amount. Um, it's essentially uh, an osprey navy issue with the higher skill ceiling right i mean yeah. with your osprey navy issue you've got a few skill issues there you've got your reloads to time you've got your damage selection you've got other things relating to missiles but with the exact navy issue in the right hands wow you know if you fit rails to those things and, and everyone's transmatching and everything's going in the right direction that way then wow you can you can do some heavy heavy damage with the exact navies uh, and they scale so well one two how many do you want 50 Wow, what a, what a, and I what I like about it is that skill ceiling, right? That okay, it's not an I win ship. It's not um, a, a case of you see the exact navy issues and you just go, oh, I'm, let's just dock up, because you know the other day I, I died in one because I got tackled by a malediction. They orbited me. I was in rails. It, they orbited close. I couldn't hit. 
you know, I, I didn't have the drones. It was just, a, well, it was a shame, but it reminded me that they're not invincible either. You know, you can't, um, I got pounced on by a fleet after that, but you can't just win in the next Navy issue. You have to have to be uh, in the right place. You have to be applying your damage well. You can, you know, they, they've got fast reload for damage selection as well, which is great. For the, well, they're for the damage locked in that they're confirmed no matter what. Indeed, but you get that range uh, variance, right? So you can, you know, you can definitely choose your range as well really quickly. So if something starts to get away from you or you're kiting away from it, you can switch to longer range ammo really quickly. I just, I find it's a great ship to teach people after you perhaps, after they've been in a Caracal or an Osprey Navy issue, you know. It's, a, it's interesting that exec, it has that higher skill expression that you've talked about but actually mechanically in some ways it's simpler than the osprey navy to really get the most out of an osprey navy certainly if you're um soloing it you've got to do quite a bit you've got you need a cap booster you need um an ancillary shield booster and then you've got most likely rapid lights which have a very long reload timer so you have to carefully manage that and on top of all of that, then you have the normal things you have to pay attention to as a nanopilot, speed, point range, etc. So while it's much better at dealing with tacklers and you don't have to think quite as much about that compared to an Exeter Navy, I think it has fewer weak points. In terms of actually practically flying it as a pilot, it's way less stressful. And so you get to focus a little bit more on that skill expression than you would in the Osprey Navy. And I think they scale better. So when I think of a fleet fighting ship, and I see Osprey Navy issues, you see them occasionally, but not very much. And usually when you see them, they don't feel terribly threatening. Whereas if you see a big pile of Exeter Navies, that is very terrifying. As a ship, it's... clearly benefited massively from the last change i think it's probably one of the more dominant t faction cruisers out there right now and as i said its flexibility is what really kings it because an osprey navy is always shield might be ancillary or buffer but it's always shield an executive navy can be plated can be and can be have a smaller plate with a repper can be shield tanked, so shield um, nano rail uh, ENIs are absolutely a thing, and the rail fit ENIs can be armor with either a point or E war in the mid in the mids as well with sent with um, a sensor module, or they can be shields. So it's they're an unpredictable ship to go against. They're not one that is typecast to a particular tank. And just bear in mind that you know, cold uh, without overheat, these things with antimatter can put down up north of, of 570 DPS cold with antimatter at rail ranges. So something like about, about nearly 40 kilometers. And an Osprey with heavy missiles can't dream of that DPS. Um, mm-hmm. And even the rapid lights don't dream of that particular DPS. Sure, they're, they, they're a bit easier to fly swap, but if you're in something bigger than a fast frigate and the ENIs are there, you can find yourself losing chunks of your respective armor or, or shield very quickly to just this rail this railgun menace. And yeah, the, the blaster variant is good. The, the polarized version does 1600 DPS and is very fun, but very fragile. Um, it's a little bit, I find that one's a little bit weaker because of the range of blasters compared to say hams, because hams have a higher range itself. But if you're on top of something like say a Varga and you've got 10 or 15 ENIs kind of in with blasters, that Varga's not long for this world. 
1600 DPS coming off a cruiser that costs less than 100 million isk is, you would say it's broken, but for all the reasons we've talked about, they actually are quite counterable. It, it's one of the most balanced ship designs I think CCP's done. It's just so good and so engaging and so flexible. And it's so popular. It probably does need, well, you would say maybe it does need a tune or a nerf, but I actually think it, it's maybe a better operated as a template for other cruisers to follow suit. I mean, it, of Eve ship designs, I think it's one of the most well-rounded, and you could say maybe it should have more of a niche and shouldn't be as jack-of-all-trades, but some cruisers got to fill that, right? It fits more with some of the more modern faction designs. So the the Navy Dominix has at least three bonuses. I think it's got its uh, blaster, its drones, and its rep bonus. The Typhoon Fleet issue has a third bonus on top of there. Um, I wonder if, wonder as you say, it might be better just to scale up some of the faction cruisers and give them slight, slightly better niches, little things like that that just distinguish them from the competition. Yeah, I agree. I think you know if you look at say uh, a comp in um, tournaments, right, and you you see the exec navy issue as an option, it doesn't really have any competitors. If you were to, if it was to get banned, for example, and that I think is more of the issue. It's not that we need to nerf the exec navy issue. We just need to bring some of the other faction cruisers up to that standard. They don't have to be copies. They could have different levels of DPS or range or, or utility, for example. But I think bringing them up a bit to, to the standard of the exec navy issue would be a better way of dealing with um, any suggestions that they're a little bit overpowered. Because I think they just show up their, 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 um, their peers more than anything. Um, and I don't hear many people or anyone complaining that they're too powerful and should be nerfed. So, I mean, I think the closest equivalent would be like the Scythe fleet issue, but the Scythe fleet issue doesn't really work well with its armor configuration. Doesn't it, missiles versus turrets on that ship are not balanced. You would almost always go with missile. It's it, like the Scythe fleet is designed to be what the Exeter Navy actually is, you know? Yeah, and the Scythe fleet, like, if it tries to borrow auto cannons in a shield config, it does a five signature DPS. The ENI still sticks down a thousand. And yeah. if it tries to kite with rapid lights, its DPS, although it's good at sniping frigates, it's not too great at kind of punching through uh, cruiser sized targets unless you've got them amassed. Meanwhile, the ENI can trade blunt punches quite happily at that range, and it will track a micro-warp driving Scythe fleet issue with very little difficulty unless it's in really close and not, not piloted well. Yeah, I think it feels like the Exeter Navy was given one glaring weakness and was allowed to excel in all other areas. So people play around that weakness and, and use it because it's quite good. Whereas the Scythe fleet doesn't have a glaring weakness but doesn't, excel in any other areas and so no one uses it i mean that is the description isn't it the old like the kind of the typhoon the old style typhoon the jack of all trades master of none well you've got to be a master at something i think that's the takeaway for eve you've got to be able to do at least one preferably several things really well even if there's one or two things that you can't do at all or do quite poorly but if there's no reason to use you over whatever the best thing is for that particular job it's just not going to get picked as a ship or, or picked only by people that don't have any other options, which is a shame. But we move on to the best game update. 
I think if the Exeter Navy issue patch had come out this year, probably would have won that too. But we've got the Havoc expansion as the winner. This was an extremely competitive category with um, with Havoc and, in general, Keepstars being banned from HiSec, both getting a pretty respectable vote count. And the Viridian update actually coming in not too far behind. But Havoc has the slight edge here. The congratulations to all the devs that worked on that particular particular expansion. Havoc brought us Pirate Insurgencies. It fully opened Zarzak, though it did not introduce it. That was a separate uh, game update vote. Uh, there were new ships added, including the Angel Titan, which I haven't actually seen used yet, but there's a lot of hype for it. And of course, it also brought us the Corp Projects feature, which I've messed around with as a CEO, and I can tell you it is quite handy. Uh, there could definitely be some iterations and improvements for quality of life as far as interacting with the project system. But man, they've got something really good there, and I think they are going to be iterating on it in at least the future expansion, maybe even two. And for the next award category, the Shuttle Thron Award, which I believe is about uh, when things don't quite go to plan. And the winner of this particular category is none other than Goon Swarm and their, well, failure at internal security, a.k.a. the J Amazingness Theft. Congratulations, quote-unquote, to the uh, counterintelligence and internal security team at Goon Swarm. I don't, in fairness to them, I don't know really what they could have done about this, right? Jay Amazingness was a real-life friend of Alliance leadership. He was an extremely popular figure in FC. As far as anyone said, they really didn't have much warning that he was going to be flipping on them. But it is a pretty spectacular theft. And just uh, there's nearly no way to spin it anyway other than it was a big embarrassing situation for Goonfleet. Which usually in, in years gone by for those of us with very long memories lots of times alliances or corporations would have massive thefts and people would go to Goonswarm or the Imperium to kind of you know, kind of take it from there. This time someone went the opposite way which is a rare thing for Goons. Yeah I mean usually when this happens to Goonswarm it's the alliance executor doing it. Sometimes at the expense of their sob bills. I think it's the first major goon director theft I can think of, as opposed to the Alliance executor theft. Do we have an explanation yet as to why? We do not. Although, zero, our best propaganda award goes to... Well, even though we didn't get an explanation, we did get a nice video about the J Amazingness theft from J Amazingness himself it was a sped up uh, it almost felt like a benny hill sketch um of all of the different things that were done taken out of hangers uh things that were deactivated and such um just demonstrating just how much was lost in that uh, event much more than the goons wanted to uh say had been lost either because they just didn't realize how much they had in those hangers and things or because they were just you know hoping to do some damage, uh, you know, mitigation. But uh, yeah. Probably a bit of video, both in hindsight, yeah. I think that video really 
put to bed any any suggestion that it wasn't it was all a big ploy or that there was some other explanation that just sealed the deal you know no it was a straightforward uh goodbye goons hello pandemic legion slash horde and i think the quite telling the video did not include any explanation and as much as i'm dying to get one i think it made that particular piece of media even better because everyone wanted to know and there's an entire four or five minute video, as you said, it was just kind of Benny Hill music style with absolutely no context or explanation for himself. Absolutely brilliant. We go from that to developer of the year. We had two devs up for this award. Usually this is uh, well, I say usually last year was quite the blowout as well, but not a not a blowout this year, but a definite fan favorite. We had CCP Aurora and CCP Zealous, and the winner of Developer of the Year. Congratulations to CCP Aurora. This is not her first Blackmark Award for this category. Does, is this two or three now? I want to say it's two. To go back and double check that, but I believe it's two. It just goes to show how much faith people have in CCP Aurora, right? I mean, CCP Aurora has been less visible, I think, this year. I think in the last 12 months, more perhaps behind the scenes. Definitely present during key keynote addresses, you know, key um, presentations and uh, contact with the fans and with, you know, the player base. Definitely there at the right moments and, and you know, revealing the big feature uh uh, things coming up in the expansions and things. So clearly doing that stuff, but just less so, um, less so in terms of that presence, but it didn't make a difference, right? Still wins. I just but, think speaks to how much love the Faction Warfare patches are getting from the community in general. Could you have imagined 10 years ago that Faction Warfare would be the most popular game feature? <laughs> it would get so much love. Uh, when it first came out people were somewhat excited about it but that it died pretty quickly and it kind of was like this dangling thing of like oh faction warfare could be xyz it could be the thing that fixes low sec it could be this it could be that well now it is a lot of that and it, you know i can speak from experience of us having been in it for about two two and a half years now it is the real deal it's a lot of fun i, I wish every bit of the game was as vibrant as Faction Warfare is right now. And it is not even complete. There are still things they can do to improve this. There are still bug, There are still little things that could be done to make it even more engaging. But as a blueprint, as a, as a foundation, it's solid. And CCP has been iterating. They have been improving. Uh, insurgencies, it's, you know, you could say you love the feature, you don't like the feature. It's definitely added some spice to it. And it's gotten some players excited in the um, pirate faction roleplay side of things that otherwise wouldn't be. And they're not stopping. They're still going to be iterating and building even the next couple patches that are more NullSec focused. I don't think there's any suggestion that they're going to be leaving faction warfare entirely alone. So hopefully we will see some of those quality of life things added to it. Um, I'm just as- just to sign off on this, but coming back to the fob kill, one of the things on the kill mail that didn't drop was the LP store. Now, can you imagine 
if you could loot an LP store from that and stick a faction LP store into a player structure. Mm-hmm. That would be tasty. Very, very tasty. But um, CCP, maybe do that. I think you'll find a lot more people wanting to blow these things up then for that for that particular thing. You know, your staging Citadel now has an LP store in it. That's That's convenient. Into our next category then, we have the Community Hero, which I'm afraid to say, or maybe not afraid to say, since he's actually a really chill and cool dude. Zero cool, my man. Uh, Zero, you are the one. Congratulations. Well, thank you. I feel like I've robbed other people who are more deserving of this award, but I'll take it and I'll say thank you. And I'll say that, you know, I did definitely put a chunk of effort into what I think people voted for which is the Eve University stuff that I do. Um, And I'll continue to do that as well as the other things I do. But I do feel like, you know, it was a a period of time that I did that intense stuff. Um, I, I hope that the things I did, I wrote down enough and I did enough Google docs and I did enough, you know, teaching that that they'll stick in some way because it's something that eventually I'm going to step back from and let other people do. But uh, yeah, it's, what can I say? It's uh, well, fantastic for me to have one of these awards. I never expected that. Yeah, congratulations, man. I think it's well earned. I think you downplay the impact that you've had with your time at university to... Or maybe it's just because you know, it was someone I knew, so I paid a bit more attention to it. But I think you had such a dramatic impact on EVE University for someone just coming in there. And the level of love that they're showing back to you, I think, speaks volumes. I remember, Alec, actually, you were um, in, somewhat involved in things prior to my going back there, right? You were uh, Ages ago, mate, and yeah. not even at the level that you were. I, I did a couple seminars. Like, I was never part of a part of staff or, you know, dedicated to them for an extended period of time the way you really committed. Well, yeah, man, I'm so happy for you, and congratulations. This is a, a pretty big deal to have a host win a Black Mark Award. It does not frequently happen. Well, I mean, does it happen? Has it happened before? I, I, I mean, we've well, had five years of this, so I have to go through, but I don't think so. Well, well, the next one is for the Brisk Rubal Award, right? Because if you win enough of these awards, you get an award named after you. So I think that's something to aim for for everyone, right? I mean, it's never come up before Brisk, but yes. <laughs> I, so, I adopted this. Shout out to OSW Review, the old school wrestling podcast. Love those guys. They have no idea who we are, but I love those guys. And I've, I've blatantly stolen this rule from them. But the the Hulk Hogan Award, because he keeps winning cunt of the year. Uh, <laughs> It, it has to be done. If if you're constantly winning this award, you get taken out of the running, so you can't win it anymore, but you get the award named after you. Well, the uh, the Brisk Rubal Award, which is for best CSM re- representative, right? Because Brisk Rubal just kept winning that award, uh, that Black Mark Award. So the best CSM representative. Now, this was for the cohort of CSM representatives that uh, did the majority of the CSM stuff in 2023 and, and 2022 as part of that as well, right? Because they had like an 18-month term, didn't they? So we kind of ended up with an extended term for these group. 
And the winner of that award is somebody who isn't no longer on the CSM, but uh, maybe in the future, and that's Pandoralica. So congratulations to Pando. Uh, I voted for Pando, I will say, because I felt that Pando was a good person to have on the CSM, somebody with a wealth of experience, somebody who was involved in higher level gameplay in Nullsec, but also had a connection to the smaller fleet fight kind of community, does the streaming and things, very down to earth, and he has his own um, FC podcast as well, with lots of guests on there, and going into detail about so many different things in the game around PvP. Yeah, for me, somebody who was an all-around excellent uh, CSM representative, and um, I'm glad has won this award because it just, you know, cements my my concept, really, that maybe would have been a deserving re-election. Yeah. Panda's just really solid. Um, has frequently appeared on the Declarations of War recommended ballot list because of his experience as an FC. And I think he really delivered when he finally got on to the CSM. Um, yeah, I think it was a really well-deserved award, Leif. Yep, I completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, well, the Noir Most MVP Award. Just got to say it right now. The winner of this category is the faithful host of Declarations of War. It's Alexi of Card. Ah! Well, Alec, congratulations on being the second uh, host to win a Blackmark Award. That's an incredible achievement. I'm just going to spot us out there, Gat readers. I did not get a fucking thing today, but that's fine. You almost did, Leavis. You were literally one vote off. We would have tied. But yeah, thank you guys. It really melts my cold black heart. Yeah, and I've I've somehow never won this award. Don't think I've even been nominated before, which is kind of ex- expected because you know you're the CEO. Kind of take it for granted you're going to be there, but it is really really cool, and I really really appreciate it. So thank you to everyone. How does it feel? I suppose I, re- I remember you back in the day when uh, people would have said you didn't have a heart. You were you had a, a very zero tolerance approach to the less than perfection. Nobody is. I think you have mellowed, Alec. You have, I think, as life, like anyone else, has taken us. We have more. We have time and uh, and and priorities outside of the game, and you're not as active as perhaps you once were. Looking back on things, how do you reflect on that? Do you think that you know uh, you got yourself in a good position right now? Do you think you're going to spend more time with Eve? Do you think you got other projects lined up? I am always surprised looking back on it how long I've played the game. I really have not played many video games for a long time. I usually tend to get bored of them quite quickly. But Eve and League of Legends are the only two that have really stuck with me. And Eve is night and day the favorite there in terms of the level of investment that I've put into it. And man, I... You know, I've thought about quitting and multiple times, as I'm sure a lot of veterans have. You know, your interest in the game or your time to play to the game comes in and out. But I've always stayed in. For almost all of my EVE time, I've been in some kind of corp leadership position, not always with Noir, but, you know, just in general. Um, yeah, the, just the people that I've made and the communities that I've built here have kept me in. And... You know, 20 years is a long time. (laughs) And, you know, your life is going to change quite a bit in that time. And, you know, it definitely has. I, uh, 
started this game when I was in college. And now I'm well, well out of college, family and house and all that stuff. So I have to say I'm I'm definitely not as solely invested in the game as it once was and probably couldn't be. But I think the things in my life that have largely replaced the time that I put into Eve are well worth it. So I've no regrets on that front. And I still see myself continuing with Eve in the Eve community for some time. But, you know, it's got to be in balance with other things that are also important in my life now. But as long as Nora is uh, continuing to to help me with that, and I would be remiss if I didn't take the time to shout out my current director team, who is far and away the best and most stable I've had in in ages. Uh, and a lot of really standout directors that have helped me in the past, like Delater and Tarim. Um, it would not be possible to be where I'm at. And I would still love to to take Noir and, and grow it even further, get more Corpse in the Alliance is always something that I'm looking to do. But end of the day, it, it's the pilots that you fly with, and I wouldn't trade these guys for anything else. And that brings us on to our last category as well, which I think, aptly, Alec, I'm going to give over to you for Noir's rookie new starter of the year. Very good. This was a very tight category, as it usually is. But a definitive winner has emerged. Congratulations to Joanna McQueen. Beat out Vate and Evil Source for this spot. Joanna has, even when he's been theoretically inactive from the game and hasn't been able to log in and play front and center, has still found ways to contribute. He started the year as an FC and an active pilot. Things change IRL. He has not logged in and literally led fleets as much as he has done a lot of administrative work. He's done recruitment work. He's done work supporting Nor Academy guys as they've come in, logistics work for Nor Academy. Never stopped figuring out a way that he could help contribute, even though he couldn't log in an FC like a madman. So cheers, Joanna. Absolutely brilliant dude. And I think a very well-earned award, although Vate and Evil absolutely deserve shout-outs here because both of them have come in and had a huge impact with Evil's FC and kind of stepping up as a locker room leader for the EU division, and Vate as just an active pilot, good guy, and help with a lot of logistics work. Uh, Lave, do you have anything to add there? You guys have the opportunity to fly with those guys way more than I do. No, I've been really impressed with the, with some of the new blood that we've had into Noir. They've really stepped up and uh, contributed a lot, both in terms of organization, logistics, information, fleet command, scouting. They just, again, it comes back to the point you made, which is about the pilots you're with. We've got some good ones to it, the good ones this time. And I want to I bring more in just like it, you know. Give me more of those people. Noir is recruiting. Yeah, how many corps can say that of rookies of the year, people that have come in with less than 12 months in, three Dynamite FCs? <laughs> that's just that's just Nora's culture, and I would fucking love it. Well, unfortunately, we have to end with some bittersweet news. That was the Black Mark Awards, but a big black mark upon Providence, a faction Fortazar has died. There has been a conflict brewing. It, it happened 
quite quickly for very little pretext. So it was a bit of a surprise, but Wrecking Crew, who longtime listeners of the show will know that Noir slash Capitalist Army was once a part of, they helped us establish a hostile trade hub inside of Providence. And just uh, in general, gave us a pretty interesting experience and ended on slightly bad terms, but really love Rocket X, who's the leader of their uh, coalition. They're a smaller NullSec coalition. They've never not been a smaller NullSec coalition. They had a bit of a flare up where they were trying to be a multi-regional power, but it did not last long. But it's a fairly high quality of pilot, despite the small numbers. And they've been holding space in Providence for quite some time now. But they fell afoul of Deepwater Hooligans, who have teamed up with Snuffbox to join CVA and Red Alliance, who are always trying to retake Providence slash Catch, and a group called Absolute Order, which, if you haven't run into them, congrats. They're just a, an absolutely massive multi-boxer alliance. And this Frankenstein coalition just absolutely swept through and hit all of the hard targets that RC has tried to headshot them. Basically their headquarter timer in NullSec and their headquarter keep star in low sec both hit around the same time. First up the YMP armor timer. This is a faction for Azar. The attackers lost pretty badly, almost three to one isk wise, but they did manage to win the timer, which pushed it into hull. They also took the Keepstarmer into its first timer. That timer was successfully defended. Defenders lost a little bit more than the YMP fight and killed quite a bit less, but they still won the Iskwar there. But unfortunately, the temptation of a Faction Fortazar hull timer was too great. And I think it was close to 1,000, somewhere between 800 and 1,000 pilots turned up for that kill and the defenders were not able to form more than 200 to defend. And so there was no fight for it. The YMP faction Fortisar dies with no fanfare. Some Reddit memes. Pretty sad day. No kill mail too, right? So far, anyway. So far, yeah. Not clear on why. Uh, obviously, there's a chance whoever killed it doesn't have their API up. But even if that were true... Pretty sure the Holding Corp did. So not sure what's going on there. Well, I remember back, it's not the first time I think that um, RC have been attacked like this. I remember Snuff trying to take them down a few years ago again and was the, attacking the Keepstar again. They ran into a bit of a wall there. But in that time, as you say, RC expanded out into Providence and you put down bases place, in places. You make yourself a target. You do indeed. They had quite a few friends come to their defense, in fairness. Um, Network was there, Sedition was there, Shadow Cartel came to try to balance out against Snuff. Um, Yeah, they had help, particularly on the Kamal Keepstar timer. There was just a hodgepodge of everyone they've ever known and liked coming to their aid there, so they had pretty good numbers for that defense. I just I don't know what happened with the faction Fortisar fight. Surely you would think the defenders would be just as excited to defend it as the attackers, but they did not form anywhere near as big a fleet uh, as the Keepstar timer. 
It could have been just the time of the timer. It, it was quite deep into U.S. time zone. Attackers were mostly EU and seemed like they may have alarm clock to get up early in the morning to fight it. That definitely had to play a part, but certainly defenders could have done that too. Don't know. But it sucks. And I, I sympathies goes out to Rocket and all the guys that lost stuff in the YMP structure, but more just for Eve, these faction Fortazars for players who aren't aware. These used to be player-created outposts that were converted into citadels. They do not drop. It's finite. Once one is lost, it cannot be replaced. So this is a structure that will never stand again and can never be manufactured again. Quite a, quite a shame. So as I understand it, CVA used to live in that part of uh, Providence or something, right? And they, uh, oh, they were Providence. They, yeah. they, yeah. Were, they were an RP heavy. They were Providence back in the day. So this faction fort would have existed while they were there. It was a station then. It was, it was a, as the old style stations were at that point. I mean, CVA, they, they didn't, they were still around in Providence, what, 2021-ish? So I, I imagine, were they friends with RC then? And No, I don't think they were friends with RC at any point. Um, the situation was, after AAA kicked CVA out of Providence, they installed a number of alliances to hold that space. Tried to create what basically the Southeastern Agreement is, but in Pravi only. Uh, that worked well until PL looked like they were going to evict AAA, and then that small coalition of alliances descended into infighting. NAR was part of that and stayed loyal to AAA. Some of the other groups sought an opportunity to flip and take more of the region and install their own friends instead. Rather than get kicked out by the backstabbers, we decided to give our systems over to CVA as we left Pravi which gave them a foothold they used to eventually retake the entire region. That was stable for, I want to say, one to two years. But then Wrecking Crew either formed to do it or moved to do it. I'm not quite sure the history of the coalition, but they started basing in Kamal and farming in the YMP area. And it was similar to... I guess the brave fraternity situation that there was a, except without the numbers. So you had a small, fairly mixed, mostly newer player, Nullsec coalition holding space against a very highly skilled attacker and was holding the line for quite a while. But eventually they gave up a system and that was YMP. And that allowed Wrecking Crew to establish a foothold in Nullsec and start staging from Nullsec. And then they held the line for a while and then they lost another system and then they held the line for a while and then they lost another system and then a whole bunch of systems. And then eventually CVA couldn't hold the line anymore. And very quickly their ability to form fleets entirely collapsed and they withdrew from Pravi entirely. Wrecking crew moved all their guys in started expanding in toward catch and I think they started expanding beyond catch with dread bomb. If I'm remembering right, maybe one or two other alliances and then dread bomb collapsed and then they got invaded a little bit and lost some of Pravi and then things kind of stabilized to where the lines are today. Yeah. 
that that helps to put into perspective yeah and i say where the lines are today cva has had a bit of a resurgence they're actively trying to retake their space as they do like clockwork and uh, it seems like this is going to do it well with the help of snuff and uh deep water absolutely I think if you're CVA trying to take your space back, you will accept help from whoever, even though they have very famously strict rules once they actually own said space. Do you remember the website? Do you remember the CVA website that they had to check if you were read to them? <laughs> yes. They're famously a not read, don't shoot it coalition. So if you're not on the red list, they won't shoot you. But the flip side of that is they'll put you on the red list for literally any reason. Sometimes no reason at all. <laughs> Nor got on the red list for helping them, but they didn't like the look of us, literally. You oh guys my. look like pirates, they said. Like, well, we got hired by one of the alliances that you're friends with. Eh, not in these parts. Get out of here. Threw us on the red list, and we've been fighting each other ever since. Well, it's changed now. In those days, it was AAA down to the south and catch itself, and there wasn't anywhere near the super and, and general pro- projection there is nowadays. And RC, even if they get pushed out of Providence, they still have a huge kind of bastion in Kamal itself, which they use to project in that area. Yeah, and I, I think in practical terms for them, assuming they want to continue focusing on Pravi, they can do it from Kamal just as easily. They've shown that. But it's still, it's a big blow. And for any coalition that's staged in an LSEC system for that long, even if they did evacs, you know, there's going to be inactive members and some stuff they weren't able to haul. I'm sure it's going to be quite pricey and inconvenient for them. But it is what it is. Uh, I do have a host highlight from the uh, Keepstar timer, which Network Form 4 put in quite a bit of pilots for, actually. Um, relative to the whole bunch of everybody, we were a pretty small fraction, but I want to say there were about 350 defenders and we formed almost 10 pilots. Not too bad for something that isn't ours and is like multiple regions away. And we got a favorable Thera connection, thankfully. Saved a bit of time. Uh, but yeah, on the way home, we found ourselves taking the same route as the Absolute Order Ferox fleet that was also there. To get to the system, we took our uh, Stork and Jaguar fleet. We were planning on just getting handouts, but I figured a big fight like this over a Keepstar, we should probably have some reships. So we brought one of our own ships, just so we weren't 100% reliant on whatever they would give us. And we're on the way back. And it's a big fuck-off low-sec fight. At some point, we and probably everybody else shot someone that wasn't already suspect or or outlaw. And so we had suspect timers. And one of the Feroxes that were right with us had suspect timers. And I'm like, huh. You know, I'm in a stork here. I know these are rail Feroxes because we just fought them. I bet you if I tackle this guy, he's not going to be able to do shit. And I'll kill him eventually. So I try to go for him in one system, and I miss him. I put the call out on comms to see who else was around me. There were two other NAR pilots in the area, two network pilots. There was Felix, who's the director of Z-Man Industries. It's the new corp that we just recruited. 
and one of the Noir Academy dudes who's about to graduate. I miss him on the first system. Now I got uh, Felix with me. Both of us miss him on the second system. Both of us miss him on the third system. The fourth system. I don't know how we all have the same route for this far, but the fourth system, I managed to spawn about 12 kilometers off him, overheat the point, overheat the micro-warp drive, I nail him just before he's about to warp. And so I've got him scrammed. <laughs> and we're all in high sec at this point, to be clear. We're all suspect timers in high sec. So I've got him. Felix comes in. He puts a secondary on. We start d- putting our DPS in. We're rocket storks. It's not nothing, but it's going to take us a little bit. We're shooting, we're shooting, we're shooting. Guarzo comes in, our NAR Academy guy. And I don't know, it must have been a matter of seconds, but sometime between when Guarzo locked him and decided to shoot him, his suspect timer turned off, and I guess Guarzo had a red safety setting. So Guarzo got concorded. (laughs) It's all like, no! Our DPS. So he's popped. We're still shooting the Ferox. He's going down. He he isn't really making much of an effort to fight. Finally, he pops drones and decides to fight us instead of making it back to the gate. We kill all but one drone to make sure he stays aggroed. We're shooting, we're shooting, we're shooting. He's down to about a third shield. And now we're starting to see some gate flashes. And wouldn't you know it, it's the rest of his fleet, or, or at least a chunk of it couple Ferroxes. We know the Ferroxes can't shoot us because our specific timers are over too. But then scimitars start decloaking. And I'm like, oh no. Are they going to rep this guy and, and ruin all the work that we've been doing for the past 10 minutes or so? And I'm looking at them and I'm waiting. I'm waiting for them to turn flashy because if only one of them does it, sure, we'll, we'll go over, we'll try to tackle him too. All of them warp off except for one guy. He's lingering. I'm like, oh, is this going to be it? I've got my finger on the button. I locked him up and everything. Nope, he leaves too. <laughs> and so they left this guy, Katsuo29, to his fate. And Felix and I duo him with a pair of storks in high sec. One for the road, I say. And uh, that's barely a 70 millis kill. And absolutely my host highlight for the past couple of weeks. That was so much fun to try to catch somebody on the way back in Isaac. Excellent. I'll go my host highlight. Um, it's basically, we were really active in the insurgency. We did quite a few things in the network, led, led some days just with the outstanding comms. We were just doing a lot of different things. The Hecates were being very popular, lost a few of them, but it was just a really nice experience just to kind of uh, deploy with the whole um, militia on this one so shout out to everyone in, in Gowmill who uh, basically just took their eyes off Gowmill for a, a few days and turned it onto the bunnies and uh, got us a famous win So from me um, I've been living in the wormhole still I've been logging in every day most days doing some PvP and it's been a lot of fun to go into Nalsec from a wormhole do the PvP thing Sometimes there's one of us, two of us, three of us. Sometimes there's six of us. Now and again, there's a few more, but that's much rarer. And it's incredible to see how different Narsec looks from, you know, a wormhole going into the pocket of some group that they're not expecting, right? So 
I've heard many times about the effect of the Intel channels. And I've also heard a lot about, you know, every Ishtar is a bot and things. And I don't believe everything I hear, but there's something to be said for having a different response from people when you appear in their space from a wormhole. And I think it's down to two things. One is, of course, similar to filament in, you just appear out of nowhere and they're not expecting you. So they, you may catch people without um, being on their intel, channel, intel channels, right? But we're not really looking for Ishtar's uh, to snack on and that's it. We're actually trying to engage in various forms of PvP with a few people, right? We're not looking for one-sided engagements here. We're looking for fighting with whatever we can, uh, whatever we can bring versus whatever they can bring and see what happens. And that's definitely been happening a lot. You know, we, we do get people who, who rush to respond. That's been fun. The other side, I think, that I would talk about then is the fact that because they work out that you've come from a wormhole, you get this tussle over the wormhole itself. You get the group trying to, like they start to think like, oh, do we roll the wormhole? And they, they might try and do that. They might try and come into your wormhole and engage you there. They might try and put some eyes on it and things. Um, and the other thing is they, they perhaps, if they realize you come from a wormhole, they don't know what you've got uh, in the wormhole, how many people, warships so their response tends to be different compared to when i've taken roaming gangs out into nullsec because maybe they're a bit more cautious about well we can't just do whatever we want because what they've got might change very quickly like if you filament with five or six people and you've got a vedmac and you've got you know no logy and you've got uh you know uh, some anti-tackle and and the things like that great you know but they, they can see that and they can bring the counter well you know, if if they do that to a wormhole group, just bring a simple counter. The wormhole group itself could bring a, another simple counter to that ad infinitum. So I think that dynamic um, changes the engagements a bit and it makes it a little bit more unpredictable. And we've been having engagements from people that, like say for example, Pandemic Horde. Normally I filament into Pandemic Horde space and it feels like, you know, you're either going to hang around long enough to get a massive, um, massive response or uh, you're going to be around long enough to appear on all the Intel channels and eventually the, the, the content will kind of dry up. It does feel a bit more dynamic and a bit more um, smaller scale coming out of the wormhole and doing the PvP thing. So that's been my highlight over the last uh, fortnight. It's been great fun. It's been the no, one bit, bit of us. Eve that I've oh, never really on. done, Alex. So I'm not sure about you, but I've never really... Wormhole is one of the, like, the last kind of places on Eve that I don't I haven't really set foot into, as in, I've been in Thera, but never living at a wormhole. Something I intend to do on the bucket list, I would think. You know, I've been given a lot of thought, and it is one of those things that's, you know, at this point, my bucket list for Eve has a lot of stuff crossed off on it, Lave, but it is one thing I haven't really done, and I've held off doing it because the prospect of having to probe the entire wormhole every fucking day. But uh, I think I'm softening to it. I, I I think there's maybe a circumstance where, you know, you don't have to put all that pressure on one person, or even if you do, you log in and, you know, a lot of what they say about you have to probe down every wormhole and you have to scan your D-scan constantly and, Maybe you don't have to do that, and you could just take wormholes at whatever speed you're you're up for. You know, with of course accepting increased levels of risk and missed opportunities and things. But 
you know, why not engage with it on your own terms? It's a big area of the game. You know, you can find your own wormhole and kind of try it at your own pace, I guess. But, you know, if I did, I want to like do something novel with it. That's usually my take on even. I don't want to just do something to experience it the same way that every other person has. I want to try to find some, some challenging spin on it. I don't quite know when that's going to happen. I have a pretty good idea of the what, and I'll save it for when we're ready to do it. But uh, yeah, I'd like to do it someday. I gotta ask Sarah, when you when you splash into a system, do you go over combat recon? Like so that you don't even appear on D scan? Ooh, that's no. a good question. Yeah, we just take uh, usually a scepter, right? So we'll roll the null sec static, we'll send the scout out in a in a malediction and um see what happens in system one, right? If there's zero people in system one, you've got a bit more time to plan then. You can look at the map, you can look at what's around, you can look at what banks are available. But usually what happens is the malediction or whatever goes into the system. There's an Ishtar on D. We try and tackle it. It runs away. And then we just go from there. It sort of happens organically. Sometimes there's 100 mil in the bank in the system that we've gone into. And then, oh, you know, the temptation is to try and rob the bank. So it, it, but a lot of the time we end up looking at the system. It's dead. We look around. The area is not very populated. We scout a few systems. And then we roll it again because we want to look for something a bit more active. Um, but that that's the the luxury of having the Nalsec static. Yeah, I just I, I thought about it and I thought, you know, if you I suppose it's different from filaments which target areas with higher activity. Like if you splash into a hole and as you say there's an Istar and scan, your standard bot might might not necessarily warp out if they don't see anything on D scan, but then a combat recon would never appear on D scan until you land on him sight. I mean, it would work. Definitely. And of course, if, if you're in deeper in wormhole space, you're probably rolling into other wormholes. There's a bigger incentive than to use your combat recons there. Do you get much action from other wormholes here? We do get a bit, uh, not a huge amount. It's quite quiet out there. I find that most of the ideas of, you know, you need to descan constantly, you need to be, you know, rolling off all connections, those apply to PvP averse people that want to crab. That those mm-hmm. are the rules if you want to crab in peace. If you're looking for PvP and you go into a wormhole and there's nine other wormhole connections, you go, hey, great. <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's there's a few roaming gangs out there. That's, that's quite strange, right, to think that you get a connection to a, another roaming gang in a wormhole and then sometimes you engage each other. And then there's a little bit of, oh, don't pod them because, you know, that's not what we do with this group. We've got a disagreement not to pod each other because that's a bit of a pain. Apart from the no podding rule, which isn't universally applied, it's just something I do hear occasionally within wormhole on wormhole PvP. Everything's pretty free spirited, and um, groups are pretty easy going and uh, up for fights. Uh, it's been it's been fun, but most of our content, like ninety percent PvP wise, has been from the Nalsec. That we we are the ones reaching out and engaging in that. Very cool. All right, Lave. Uh, well. We'll cross that bucket list item off together someday, maybe. Absolutely. As we close out the show, I want to give a shout out to everyone in our Golden Elite subscriber tier on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash DOW if anyone wants to join in. But we've got Braille, Fate of Trades, Kestrel Swainson, Crav, Mark Havoc, Tang Tengu, and Tweak. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Absolutely invaluable. 
and we love having you on our Discord as well. I also want to give a shout out to a returning Noir veteran who I've seen in local recently, Half Life. It was uh, made quite a few appearances in the Galenti slash Garista fob area. Didn't like directly fight each other. Not that I recall anyway, but we saw him in local and was like, oh my God, Alec, hey, how you doing? I was like, oh shit, Half Life, I haven't seen you in age. So we had a, a nice little, hey, how you doing? Um, I just want to give a shout out to him because I love seeing noir players pick the game up again and get back into it. And Faction Warfare, and particularly Pirate Faction Warfare, is the thing that brought him back in. So it's great to see him and hopefully see more people. From me, it's going to be shout out to the various AG6 practice partners that I've managed to get. Some have reached out to me, some I've reached out to them first. Very organized people, lots of them. I didn't realize just how many people are out there doing teams that practice so well in terms of being on time. You know, they they have their doctrines ready, they have their bands ready, everything runs smoothly, it's GFs and local, and we move on to the next team. Um, We've practiced against, I want to say, six teams or something. It might be slightly less than that. But yeah, it's been great to see so many various people out there willing to practice against our new group that are consistent of players, mostly have played, picked the game up in the last three months to six months. So imagine, you know, that they're very new to the game, not only not just the tournament stuff, but uh, the, the whole reason they're in the team is because they, they just want to, they just love the PVP and they just want to practice PVP. So uh, yeah, we're, we're getting better and um, I'm just appreciative of those that give us a chance to practice against them. And I did my shout out earlier on because that was very strange of me. But I'll simply say that my shout out size highlight here is putting all the effort into the fob and missing out on a kick ass uh, fight versus zealots, bringing back to the old days when we fought the, the fist fleets from PL in Drake's. And this time they're in, obviously, we're in cyclone fleet issues. But hopefully I'll make the next one. And that's it, guys. We'll see you on the next Declarations of War. Go to declarationswar.com to participate in this show's poll, leave comments. Noir Recruitment is on. Noir Academy in particular is about to do a big push, I think. It's getting to be about that time of year. We've got a lot of the previous season's Noir Academy guys about ready to graduate, so it's going to be looking for a new crop of those to come in. We've also got a new corp in the network. Just a reminder that we are recruiting corporations for the Alliance. We're quite interested in people with significant PvP divisions and want to get involved in not just faction warfare, but also the mercenary side of the game. Either way, if you want to hang out with us, come chillax in Cafe Noir dot in game. It's the channel, Cafe space N-O-I-R period. You'll also find a link to our Discord there, to the network Discord, and answers to all of your questions. And again, if you want to join the Declarations of War Discord, which has all of our guests and access to the hosts, some cool private channels, Head to Declarations of War on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash D-O-W. And that's it. Wherever you are, guys, good hunting, listeners.